Hello, I'm Sean Kangas, and welcome back to the Highland League podcast. This week's guest is former Bucky and Turriff United midfielder Aaron McKenna. In this podcast, he talks about playing college football in America, joining Turriff United, Cup success, his Australian adventure with some familiar names to Highland League fans, his time as a scouting analyst at Aberdeen Football Club, and much more. Also in this episode, I'm introducing a new section where some teammates ask him some funny questions. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your chosen platform. Hope you enjoy this interview. So what was your kind of earliest memories of kind of playing football? Yeah, so um, I mean, it was just on Sunday mornings with um, with like a local team. I think I, I started playing like in a formal team, probably at the, at the age of about eight. I think nowadays you sort of grow up playing like six aside, seven asides, and then sort of slowly bleed into eleven. But we at that at that sort of time it was straight into the eleven aside. So from about eight, I think, and I think we joined a team that was a mixed bag of eight and nine year olds. So we joined an under tens uh, league um, and proceeded to get battered most weeks. To be honest, because at that age, even a year's difference is can make a massive difference in terms of just even just the size and physicality of some of the boys that we were playing um we used to get yeah quite com- comfortably beat um and obviously we're playing 11 side goals with a eight-year-old keeper so his height didn't really help he was a fan that ended up being a fantastic keeper but at that age I mean all you had to do was get the ball out in the air and it was a goal so we regularly got beat 10 10 nil each game I think to be honest uh, the following season we managed to we, we sort of then joined the league where we were amongst our peers um, and did a little bit better. But yeah, that that was the earliest memories really playing there. Um, and then, yeah, watching-wise, going down the villa with my dad and like brothers. Yeah, so who were kind of the players you were kind of biggest fans of at that time in terms of the villa team, would you say? I mean, the one that probably sticks in my head, probably everyone around my age that supported villa was sort of your Dwight York and, and a little bit before that, maybe your Paul McGrath. Um, just because they are like players that you know, even now, even outside of the villa, like there's all a lot of people understand how 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 much of a good player both York and McGrath were. Obviously, there was a bit more sort of more cult sort of following for Villa fans like Yuri and Taylor, who a bit like sort of greenish of late. He was like a a Villa boy like at, at heart, so he was always quite a, a fun one to follow. But probably McGrath and York, you'd probably say were the two two bigger names for the early, early earlier years at the Villa. Yeah, so um, was that, I mean, when you were little, was that the sort of kind of dream that you wanted to to do? Probably at the young, young age, I probably never really thought about ever being able to play at that level, um, to be honest. It was more of just, uh, yeah, my dad dad's always supported the Villa. Um, and so pretty much as soon as soon as he could take one of his kids <laughs> me being the oldest I think he, he, he decided to take us um, but yeah ne- never really thought oh you know I'll, I'll, I'd want to play there until probably a bit later when you sort of got a little bit more feeling of, of, of playing and being in formal teams because um, I think when I first went I don't even think 
I think that was before I'd even played. Um, but I mean, yeah, probably at some point that was the that was the goal or dream to at least play at, at, or try and play at that level. Um, but that, as probably probably most kids that watch football, that's probably what they do aspire to the play as well. Anyway, I noticed you you ended up going out to America. What what teams were you kind of playing for um, in England? Well, so I mean, in, in England, I, I pretty much just joined a, a local. I'm from sort of Sutton Coalfield in, in in England, so um, Sutton Coalfield's uh, town. I was at initially, who they. Their adult team is sort of like in the, I don't know what, don't know what tier it would be, probably mm-hmm. eight or nine, probably in the UK. But it was like at the end, of, that was the under eight, nine teams that I played for. Um, and then we just transitioned and played over to Sutton United, who I think now their first team is up and around the same sort of level as Sutton Town. But at the time, it wasn't really. Um, so no one really of, of too much note. It um, wasn't like I played at any of the academies or anything. Um, so pretty much played there and then moved to a, a team called Sportsco that is very local to the very specific area of Sutton Coalfield that I was in. Um, played for them for a bit. Um, and then when I was about 16 or 17, they had an adult team. Um, and I knew a lot of the coaches that coaches that was coaches at Sportsco that then transitioned and played into the, like the adult team that they had, um. And at the age of about 16 or 17, I went and joined them. But that was just um, like AFA, Birmingham Division like seven. So just a Saturday league, Division seven, um, played there. And and yeah, that, that that pretty much they are the three slash four clubs that I played in growing up. Never, as I said, never never went to like a, you know, had a couple of mates that was at West Brom and things like that. But I, ne- I never went and played at any of their academies. Was there ever kind of clubs looking at you or I got I got used to the sort of group that I was playing with and was mm-hmm. really enjoying like the you know, at the age of sort of twelve, thirteen, enjoying the sort of the lads I was playing with. Um but probably but we moved around a couple of leagues and moved to some poorer poorer leagues that really in hindsight probably should have just gone and joined a different team that, that sort of stretched me a little bit more again. Um but never ended ended up doing that. Um I think at one point, I, I, the one lad, actually the, the the kid that was like two foot nothing, who was getting lobbed every day when we were eight, <laughs> he ended up being, um, he going to West Brom um, and I went to school with him. And I do vaguely remember the once he said, oh, uh, like West Brom, I'm coming to look at you at the weekend. Um, and that's probably the worst thing he could have told me. I think mm-hmm. I had, I think even to this day, it's probably the worst I've ever performed playing any, any type of football game. Um, so maybe I don't know how true that was. They might not have even been there, um, but that's the only recollection I remember of anyone vaguely interested. How did the opportunity go about to to go over to to America? Yeah, so that one was so one of the coaches who was a bit older, who I played with in that sports go team. He'd gone and done the sort of like the I think they're called like challenger sports that that have uh coaches british coaches go over and do like summer camps in the in the us mm-hmm. um and so he that he'd had experience doing that but then let me know that the opportunity was there to go and do like the football scholarship um which it's sort of grown in a little bit of its popularity these days and it's it's quite a not i wouldn't say regular but the, it's a lot more well known to go and do but at the time i did it i think it was sort of just getting off the ground a little bit more um so 
he yeah he let me know about the opportunity to do that so i uh contacted a company called first point usa and then went went to them uh, and ultimately yeah just jumped on their sort of scheme to get to get players out to the states um and that's ultimately how that happened really yeah so how, how did you uh, find um moving to a different country yeah i mean that it was it was quite a big move. I mean, in hindsight, I probably didn't understand how much of a big move it was, really, um, because I think the furthest I'd been was Zante um, with my mates from home for about a week. That's the furthest and longest I'd been away from home. Um, so really didn't probably just out of ignorance more than anything, just went for it and didn't really understand how much of a big thing it would be. Um Went out there, uh, I think our sort of pre-season started like the middle of August, but not really having any more research. I just sort of assumed boys would turn up four or five days before. Um, but little did I know, no one did. They literally turned up the day we started. So I was there four or five days. Um, I mean, I, I joined a team that was, I'd say, 50% Brazilian. Um, <laughs> so... I got picked up at the airport by the Brazilian assistant coach, one of the Brazilian players and his wife. So, and uh, our, our, yeah, our university was in the, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I mean, the, the nearest thing to civilization was a, like a Walmart that was uh, about a 10 minute drive away, um, a subway across the road. And that was about it. So I was in this sort of location. It was like a bit like the Hills of Eyes type, type deal <laughs> um, for, for about four or five days on my own, really um, with, these brazilian guys that didn't really speak that much english um so that was quite a yeah quite eye-opening just initially get there um but to be honest once i was there it, it wasn't too bad i got there was a couple of uh, guys on our team from no one from england on the guys side um there was a couple of english girls on the women's side of the the university teams um but on the guys side there was two scottish guys um east kilbride and sort of like your airdrie way they came from um so i yeah naturally sort of clung to them i guess a little bit and that helped sort of ease the transition between going from yeah england to somewhere completely brand new um yeah so what was the kind of standard like at kind of that level because you always you always hear i mean they seem to get pretty good crowds in terms of teams out there you know, college kind of based. I mean, it's it's such it's such a mixed bag in the in the US in terms of college, particularly as well. I mean, I I would I'd push any sort of 16, 17, 18 year old girl or boy if you play football to look at it because even if you're not like a superstar, you'll find a college that you can probably go and play at. I mean, you go from colleges that all you have to have done is literally you know, kick a ball from A to B and you can play from them. Whereas then you go to some of the top ones, which, you know, they, they've got like US under 20 internationals play for them, ex-pros, all, all this stuff. Um, and some of the next future pros, um, you know, the, a lot of the, a lot of the leagues in Europe, I think are, are giving America a little bit more appreciation for the talent that you can find there. You, you know, not, not everyone is brilliant there, but there are some hidden gems. And um, I think you see, there was one boy just joined Leicester, I think, from Lindsay Wilson College, who we used to play futsal against um, at our university. Um, so, we, yeah, the, the the level is in yeah to cut to sum it up, it, it, it's such a broad stroke of levels from the very very top to yeah people that are there just having a bit of fun to essentially. 
So what what did you see as um, for yourself? Um, I think for me personally, it wasn't necessarily an ends to trying to play semi-pro or pro, to be honest. It was more of a case of um, you got pretty much your degree paid for to go and play football. And, you know, the level I my college was at was sort of, I guess, in between that level I just spoke about. Some of the some of the better teams we played against were very good. Some of the other teams, not not as. Um, but what it did did give you a little bit of a feel that was almost a little bit like being a professional in the sense that you trained every single day, you travelled to games, you know, and the, and the way that the US is spread out. I mean, it wasn't just 30 minutes up the road. It was, I mean, I think it's the second week I was there that we were told bring our passports along um, because in a week's time we were flying to Miami for a game. I mean, that was <laughs> that was literally the only time we flew to a game. So it, it put me under a bit of a false pretense. But uh but it all the same. It was it was good good fun in that respect. And whenever you travelled, you didn't pay a penny for the travel. You you got put up in hotels, got your food paid for. So it, it was it was a bit of an adventure. And while while doing that, you were still studying and getting a degree, which you know gave you some to to work on in terms of yeah career work or whatever you wanted to do after with that as well. So it was a little bit of a combination of the two really. You're getting both both worlds. Yeah, so did that degree end up helping you in terms of what you do now, in terms of your work? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, so I did um, I did maths and chemistry as, as my degree. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, it probably did help in, because when I came over to Aberdeen, I went did, did the master's in oil and gas engineering. So I think the combination of those two sort of quantitative type fields, they definitely helped me in that. Um, and, and now I sort of do data, sort of subtly linked to, to maths, but the sort of logic side of things it certainly did help um um so in terms of was there kind of anyone you played with out there that kind of went on to have a, a decent enough career or you came across again or our team were full of players that in to be brutally honest they should they shouldn't really have been playing there they should have been playing at a much better standard there was yeah there was a number number of players on our team i mean there was one particular he he sort of bounced around the I think he had he had real bad injury issues um but as a kid he'd sort of bounced around like the Santos Academy um and youth team and 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 he came out and played and I mean I mean to be honest he was probably the best footballer I've ever played with um and and, and even after all the injuries he had and coming out to the states he then went back to Brazil and played I think he played and he weren't like the top tier in Brazil but it certainly uh a decent standard. I think it was probably the third tier in Brazil. He went back and played. Mm. Uh, he was a good player. Um, a lad on our team, Nelson. He he went and played in the MLS for a bit for Kansas City Wizards at the time. And then an English, one of the better players, played against the uh, English guy. He come from the Preston Academy, um, but he he went on and played um, for Utah, uh, Salt Lake City. He went and played for in the MLS as well. Um, so I mean, there was there was probably a few others that I didn't. I, play, I played it in um, sort of a summer league that, mm. that was out with the college, um, and you used to come across some really good players there because it was just a combination of pretty much all of the better college players went and played over the summer, um, and I, that's where you sort of played against some of the better players. I would say just because everyone sort of concentrated on playing football there as opposed to the college as well, and it was just it was almost a stepping stone for going in pro even in either in the US or trying to get a bit more of a contract back out in Europe or something like that as well. Obviously, you said it was a good thing with your studies, but did it ever 
um, come to your mind that maybe I could maybe try and play out in America or, or not really? Or... Uh, I did for a bit, yeah. I mean, it was more towards the end of my time there and, and having had the exp- exposure to go and play against like these better players over the summers and, and, and things like that that, that made me realise that you, although I was probably not, I was never one of the better players there. I, I equally sort of held my own in, in a lot of the, the games there. So I thought, you know, there might be an opportunity. Um, so they, I think it's slightly changed now, but back then that was like, that was class of PDL league. Then you had the one above that was like the USL pro. And then the one above that was technically the MLS. Um, so you could get by invite uh, or your coach could recommend you to go to the draft for the, the sort of that middle one. A guy called Duncan, who I played for when I played in Toronto, he he from from Manchester originally. He sort of suggested I go there. He did get me a couple of trials at um, a team called Dayton Dutch Lions, which I think are still about, might not be, but they were USL Pro at the time, and that and that was probably the route I was going to try and take if I could. Went on a couple of trials there, but probably didn't play the best I could have. Um, equally, there were some very good players there, so it just just didn't really fall really to to yeah, never really probably impressed enough to be honest um, to to stick it out and play in in the states. So in terms of the the heat, how how did you adjust to playing in in the warm when you're used to you know back in the UK freezing, yeah. freezing cold? So. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, I went the university I went to was in Tennessee, so actually you did get quite the you got quite the the range of seasons, so to speak, that that we get really probably just to the extremes. Um, so when yeah when we first went back in sort of the middle August you would hit some really yeah very very hot days um i think really there it was it was just starting to become a bit more of a thing your sort of nutrition and understanding the body a bit more and and, and so they sort of looked after you in that sense you know you, if it hit a certain temperature there was the water breaks midway through the halves and things like that 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 certainly helped um but outside of that it was yeah i guess it was just the slowly getting used to it by training in those conditions as well um we used to train pretty much in the worst of the heat but then oftentimes you wouldn't play until the evening so it sort of did help you out in that respect but then you know when it got towards the november time we did go and play in almost snowy conditions at times so you did yeah you got the real extreme in tennessee um and the sort of surrounding area which is where we played it prepared you to play in the Highland League in in the future years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got I got got a bit of exposure to everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, what kind of led to you kind of moving back to the UK? Um, I guess at the time it was I'd graduated from university. I did I did do an extra year in um, Cincinnati, um, where I I sort of just coached at a club there out with the university the way it works is you get given like a five-year visa but if you complete it in four which most people do you sort of get an extra spare year that they allow you to do technically it's supposed to be related to your study but they don't really come and, and vet that so to speak so I think I you know I just got the year and then just coached so it was really then I was sort of determining what what to do next the option was there to go and be what's called a graduate assistant in the states um, so that's essentially going and doing your masters, but get given um, scholarships to coach and be mm-hmm. on the coaching staff at a college, which did did seem like a good thing. But the thing with that is you can't you can't play, so you you wouldn't have been able to play then. Um, so it was it was common. It was a, yeah, 
a decision between that or coming back um, and, and sort of doing masters back in the UK, really. Um, and my chemistry professor out in the US, he sort of suggested about going into the oil and gas industry. Um, and so coming back to the UK, there was really one place for that. And that was Aberdeen. So he suggested that ultimately to, to go into a oil and gas and um, use my sort of chemistry maths background in that sense. Um, and so, yeah, Aberdeen just became sort of the pick in that respect, really. It had um, the oil and gas master's degrees at uh, RGU or Aberdeen Uni. And so ultimately, that that, that was a reason in the end. Um, in hindsight, probably wished I would have explored maybe some more ways to stay out in the States and, and, and you know, possibly go and play in the States a bit more. Um, but, yeah, that was ultimately what I decided. <laughs> Playing football, what kind of were you playing for anyone before you kind of joined Turf Turf United? Well, when I went back, so I came back home and went on the uni degree, and I joined the went and did the tryouts and joined the Aberdeen Uni team just because I knew that they had they sort of spread themselves quite thin in that they play in like the university leagues, they play in the Highland League under twenties, or they did at the time. Um, and they also played on the Saturdays in the the amateurs. Um, so they had they needed a quite a deep team really. Um, so I went and joined joined those. Um, predominantly couldn't really play in any of the uni games just because when my masters courses were they were they didn't they tended to be on the day that the uni games were. But was available most Saturdays, and then I did play the odd under twenties Highland League game. Um, but again, that was Monday night, so it just depended on what my course was like. But so yeah, I went and played played with them for a bit. Yeah. So um, what kind of led to to the move to to Turoff? Well, it was playing playing there. The, the sort of club captain, uh, Mike Mike Bruce, Mikey Bruce. He sort of said like, if I was sticking about, that he he'd definitely speak to whoever he knew really to to try and help me get playing in either the juniors or the Highland League really. And he he sort of knew. I think he knew Baxter. Um, I think it was that he knew. It was either Simi or Baxter he knew. I think it was Baxter at Turriff at the time um, and just said he'd spoken to him and just turn up to one of the pre-seasons and, and see how it went from there, really. So that was it, really. It was just, just word of mouth. I didn't particularly go seeking out anyone. It's just uh, Mikey came and said, yeah, there was a spot to, to go and just try out and see see what it, see what happened. <laughs> Yeah, so how how did you find your kind of first like experience of Highland League football? It was it was definitely a, a an increase in terms of the, the sort of obviously commitment, but also the the sort of level from the what I was playing when I was at the at the uni because um, we as I said we, we predominantly just played in the 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 Premier of the amateurs, which to be honest they did have a couple of decent sides, um, and they you know they. We definitely had some tricky games at that level, um, but obviously then there was other teams that it wasn't weren't as as good. Um, so the challenge of, of just playing just was obviously a big step up. Um, I think I'd played we my first experience I think was playing for Aberdeen Uni against Cove. We got drawn. It was possibly in one of the shields. We got drawn against Cove, and we played at you know, Cove's old old pitch. It would have been then, um, and we got yeah comprehensively beaten. Sort of, I think it was nine or ten nil to be honest. So that was my first experience um, playing against a, a proper Highland League outfit. We did play, as I said, played a couple of the under twenty games, um, but the Highland League team seemed seemed to sort of vary in the 
how they treated the under-20s. Sometimes it would have a lot of the first-teamers. Sometimes it would be a very, very young team. So you never really knew who you're going to play at that level. Um, but yeah, that I just remember going... Uh, I think it was uh, Magoo that picked me up for the first training session. Just, just went in um, a bit cold, really, not really knowing what to expect. So where, whereabouts were you training when you're you when you were at Turf? Were you training Aberdeen or what was kind of the the setup? Uh, no, it was it was pretty much all up at up at Turf really. A lot of the boys were that way and, and things. There was, I mean, there were a few boys in Aberdeen, uh, Magoo, Nick Gray, um, Cami Bowden, and things. Um, we were we were Aberdeen based, um, but the the vast majority were a bit further up that way anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, I might be wrong in that, but I'm pretty sure most of the time we did do um, always up at Turriff. Um I think you got the odd occasion where it was, you know, snowy, uh, <laughs> cooled off or whatnot, and and saves people going and traipsing all the way up there. They, you know, we did like a local sort of thing in Aberdeen. Um, but yeah, it was predominantly up at Turriff, um twice a week. I think it was Tuesday, Thursdays, I think at the time, or Monday, Wednesdays. Can't quite remember, but mm. yeah. Obviously, you you joined when Mark Simpson was was still still there. Um, how how did you find playing playing under him? Yeah, well, it was it was yeah, Timmy and um, Baxter, I guess. Um, so you sort of had the they sort of yeah played off each other quite well. Really, you you had obviously Simmy, who was very much going to tell you exactly how it was um, type deal. Um, and then Baxter would sort of be, it was almost like a good cop, good cop, bad cop type scenario sometimes. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, um, I mean, toward, towards the back end of that time, um, we obviously didn't have the great run of form and mm. we lost our way a bit. But in terms of when I first got there, it, it, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing there Torf, as a club as well. It was it was yeah, it was great to to play to play for. Really, they had a, a good sort of sense of community there. I thought that obviously it was the first club I'd gone to in the Highland League, so I didn't really have anything to compare it with, but certainly felt that way. Um, so you had obviously Simeon Baxter as a management, but then everyone and everything around it was there to support you, and they really put their all into the club. And you could sort of you could sort of feel that as well when you played. Um, so yeah, it was. I I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a, a great club for me to join. Um, you know, the, obviously the the only downside for me was just the, that 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 trek up to Torriff every every couple of couple of days. But you know, you you sort of um, you don't mind that for the for the for the club that it was and the sort of players and the team and the and the management and the board and everyone around it. To be honest. So how how did you find the switch when Ross Jack came in? Obviously, that's kind of when Tara started, you know, taking in more signings and stuff. How how did you find that? Yeah, we it sort of slowed. I think it was either Simi or Baxter left first, and then the other one not too long after, really. And so we went through a sort of a bit of a yeah a, a transition period. I think Mike McKenzie came in at that point as well, and sort of coming over and, and, and took over the team really until the end of the season. But I think we heard before the end of the season that, that Ross and, and Bobby were, were coming on board to take the team, but they would just start at the, I think it was the start of the next season, essentially. I mean, the, the one thing that you could definitely say that the sort of Ross Jack bought was an air of, um, 
professionalism, I think is probably the, the, the right word. You could certainly feel the that sort of um, clear divide between him being the manager um, and us as players. Um, and I felt he, he sort of, he, he got that re- really, really quite, quite good. We had, there's that sort of level of respect for him. Um, but equally, he, he, you know, he would mess about, but um, you definitely felt that. Um, and I think that was probably the, the thing that got everyone focused. And I think he just sort of made us realise that the players were there, that were there. We, there was the ability there. It was just that, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, we we just got into a bit of a, a bad groove towards the end. That yeah, it sort of just helped us knock us out of that. And as you said, there was a couple of additions as well, um, which certainly helped. Do you think it helped? Obviously, um, at that time you seemed to be strong, quite like across the pitch. You had obviously like a McCaskill just joined, Magoo, um, Kevin Main in goals. You could go on. There were so many different really good players at the time. Do you think that kind of helps you bring out the best of each other in terms of the amount of quality you had? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. You you, you obviously, you, you have to play with good players, I think, for you to improve as well. Um, because, they, you know, better players push you further as well. Um, you know, <laughs> certainly players like, you know, Andy McCaskill, AMAC, he... If, if you aren't putting in a performance or you, you get something wrong, you know you're, sh- you're sure you're sure to know about it. Um, and so it, it gives you a gives you a level to play at as well. Um, but you know, not just AMAC. I mean, there's pretty much everyone in that team. You, you knew that really you had to be at your best, not only to give your best and for the team to get the best result, but equally sustain the team as well. Um, you knew that. I mean, I think I went a couple of times uh, back to the States for long periods over preseason and things. I mean, just the just the way it was. But when I came back, I knew I, I, I wouldn't walk straight back in the team because there was very good players. And so you had to sort of fight your way back in the team or, you know, wait until there was maybe a suspension or injury um, just to get back in, really. Um, so it sort of breeded at that sort of high level of competitiveness within the squad, which equally drove results, I think, to be honest. Yeah, so how how was that being part of that team in in that season that you just kind of you finished second and it seemed to be if it wasn't for the deduction of of the points that you could have maybe won it. It it it, it did seem a bit of an it was almost something you couldn't really put your finger on at, at one point. To be honest, we just had this natural ability just to win games, even when we weren't playing very well or necessarily, or mm-hmm. even when we were getting beat. Um, I mean, much the same way as that. You know, the, when when we were going downhill, there was, again there wasn't there wasn't anything really t- too much tangible that you could say we were doing particularly wrong. It was just this: you got into a, a bad rhythm there of getting beat, and I think when we were winning, it was it was just complete opposite. We just got in that rhythm of just winning games and knowing how to win games, um, which was almost. I mean, yeah, we we definitely did play well in places. I'm not saying that um, that we definitely did, and we would have been where we were without doing so. But he did feel in a couple of games we just were almost invincible, so to speak. You just there wasn't anything that could be thrown at us that we wouldn't overcome. Um, I think Wick away was probably the one that stands out in in my mind the most because I think obviously it's a long, long trip up there. Um, didn't play great for parts of it, um, and I think we were three two down with literally I don't know five ten minutes to go. 
And I think we equalised on the 90th and then Gary Harris went and scored the winner in like the, the 95th minute. And I mean, it was sort of that time, that that game particularly. I don't know why particularly that one stands out, but it seems like that one was the one where I think for me anyway, I just thought no one could really dent us. Um, and it wasn't until a really poor performance up at Nairn where we, I think we got beat 2-0 and we were just really bad. Um, but that was the end of, I think we had a bit of a running streak, a winning streak and came to an end there. Um, and then that was it, really. I think that's when the, the combination, the deduction, plus plus we were we were fighting up against Borough, who, you know, I mean, and even today, they a quality team that, but again, just knew how to win games and was had great players across all, all of the pitch, really. So how how was it in terms of seeing how the quality of the Highland League kind of improved? Because I th- I think at that time was probably when you had more players coming, you know, from say higher up divisions and kind of dropping down. How how did you find that? I don't know. I, I probably didn't notice it to the same extent that some of the other guys might have that had maybe played in the league a lot longer than me or or had sort of grown up sort of either watching or following the league a little bit. Um so yeah, I guess I guess I, I did notice it to a degree because certainly there was particularly I think towards the end of that tariff spell, and then when I sort of came back from Bucky, the, the you know there, there wasn't many teams that you could just turn up and win the game, and you know without playing well at all, you knew that pretty much most teams you would play, you would have to at least um, at least turn up and show something to win the game. You weren't going to get any rollovers. Um, that yeah, and that's probably the biggest thing I I I think I noticed towards the end of the, the tariff, and as I said back when uh, the later years um, that I noticed, but specifically I, I don't I don't think I noticed as much. Just as I said, just purely because I was I was still relatively new to the to the league, even in my sort of second season and third season at tariff. So one one of the kind of standout moments in your career that I recall um because I was at the game is the, the Aberdeenshire Shield um final. Obviously you you got the goal to kind of bring I think it was to bring the game level, I think. Um what what do you kind of remember about that game? Well I remember my goal wasn't the greatest. I think it was one of the cases which I don't usually do and that's shoots. Um but I, I sort of hit a shot and I think it was very poor and I think it got a really lucky deflection and went in. Um that's what I remember about the goal specifically. But the day itself, again, was it, was, it, it did seem it was another one of those games where, you know, I think we, because we, we were getting beat until fairly late ish, um, until Nicky was his sort of inspired substitution. Um, um, but the, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing I remember about the day was my, my dad and brother had happened to sort of come up for the, for the weekend. Um, and to go back to the point about sort of Torriff as a club, I mean, from the uh, Phil, who I think is now on the board there at, at Torres, who you know actually went and picked them up from the bus stop himself, took them up to the game. They hung out with you know some of the fans that they've got their scouts, and uh, and then after the game, uh, it was just a, a yeah a cracking celebration. Really, they they were they were involved and they were getting bought drinks left, right, and centre by all members of the board and all sorts. Um, so we had. It was more probably that day I remember that it was sort of the aftermath of it and the, the, the sort of slowly trudging back through into Torrey first and then back into Aberdeen Town on the night. Um, but yeah, it was it from a football point of view, it did just seem one of those days where, again, we just had that ability to churn out or win 
when we didn't play brilliant for the full 90. So mo- moving forward after the kind of Aberdeen shirt shield, um, did you feel Tara should have probably kind of kicked on from there? I, th- I think we probably sh- should have. Can't can't really put my finger on some of the reasons why we, we, we didn't really kick on from there. To be honest, I, yeah, it, it was one of those. It just... We maybe just didn't get off to as good a start as maybe we'd liked. And then you were sort of always chasing because I think COVID again had pushed on and improved that year. Brower again were one of the better sides. And mm. and I think we were, I think we just got into the, the habit of just being in, in that sort of just chasing pack, really. Um, um, I think that was the season then that I'm pretty sure that AMAC then went sort of midway through the season out to Australia. Um we lost um, Stuart Cumming got injured as well, yeah. um, and so I think it was just a combination of a, f- a few little things really um, that just meant that it just wasn't as smooth a sailing as that first season under Ross Jack. But yeah, we you know we weren't we weren't a we weren't a bad side, but equally we weren't quite at the level I think we wanted to be and couldn't really push the top top teams in the league at, at that point then. Mm. So, in terms of how how did the the move out to Australia um come by? Because it seems to it seems to be coming a more common kind of move these days. Yeah, um, I, I I can understand why it is. To be honest, it's um, <laughs> it's it's a great place to live. Um, but the, for me, it was um, I think I just sort of was itching to to do a little bit more adventuring and get away again um, after obviously going out to the States and then coming home um, and sort of was looking for something a bit new, a bit different. Um, and as I said, sort of AMAC had gone out um, the season before I did um, and just sort of, you know, always stayed in touch with me and said like how much of a a good time it was. Um, sort of the level was good, but equally the the way of life and obviously the weather was not bad. Mm-hmm. Um so a combination of those things, uh, AMAC kept me in touch. I kept in touch with AMAC, sorry. And and then he sort of said that he was getting a new manager. They were getting a new coach at the team. He was at there um, and that he'd be interested in, in chatting to me to see if I fancied coming over. Um, and that was, that was pretty much it really. It was again, another word of mouth type thing. Um, I think I spoke to the, 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 the guy that was going to be the coach and um, not long before going out and agreed to go really and just got my working holiday visa. Um just wraps up things and, and sort of headed out really with just see how it see how it went. Yeah, not not with too much in mind, just to go and play really. Yeah, because you you played obviously you played alongside McCaskill and then Marek as uh, Mado as as yeah. well. It seemed to be a Highland yeah. World Cup. Yeah, it was. It was a bit of a because Marek actually did play I mean, technically, I think he was on the same university team as me um, for when I played at the university. But mm-hmm. I actually don't think I ever played with Marek. I always heard about him and, you know, heard he was a, obviously a decent player and could score goals. Um, but never actually played with Marek until I got out to the um, to Australia. I, just, I think I'd met him maybe once in Aberdeen before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he was there, um, AMAC. And then I ended up sort of getting getting an apartment and staying at uh Johnny Mavers who he used to play for Cove back in the day before he went out. Um so yeah there was a little sort of Aberdeen connection type thing there. Um which again was was a good it it, it meant that when I went there that I had I knew people that could help me sort of get used to the way of life and 
you know, and those guys were pretty, really good to me in terms of, you know, driving me about, picking me up, let me stay at places, things like that as well, which, you know, it goes under the radar really a little bit when you, when you do something like that, but things like that, are, you know, really needed and yeah, much appreciated really. Yeah. So what, what was kind of the standard of football like out there? Again, I'd probably use mixed bag as a bit of a term. Um, you, I think it was the style that was probably noticeably different to sort of your Highland League particularly. Um, you did find that a lot of teams out there like to try and play out from the back and and really build up from the back. And there was there was a lot more of that, I thought, than, than possibly you would get necessarily the Highland League. Um, I mean, that might just be a, a, a function really of the some of the pitches that you get to play on, you know, in December, January in the Highland League probably aren't conducive to playing out from the back. Whereas in Australia, where it was a lot of the times like bowling greens and nice and dry, um, you, you could, you could get away with it a, a bit more, but that's probably the, the, the biggest thing I think I noticed was that, that most teams, you know, possibly to their detriment at times, try to play out from the back. And that was probably the biggest thing I noticed. But in terms of the quality, yeah, very much a mixed bag. I mean, some of the better teams there were very, very good. And there were some very good players that you you'd sort of play against. How how did you find kind of play, playing out there? And what were your kind of highlights? I I, I love playing out there. Um, it was possibly the the biggest highlight, really, was just the the culture and and just the way of life out there, possibly, you know, almost football aside, so to speak, really. Um, they've got a really nice attitude to, to life and their work-life balance in Australia is, to me, seems to be really good. Um, got to coach and, and and get to know a lot of the, the parents that it was a very family-orientated club. Um, so you'd, you'd sort of coach, coach on the the evenings and some of the weekends and then they, those kids and all their parents and things would come out and watch the games. Um, it was not quite a nice little family community type atmosphere there. Um, and there was some great people that got to, got to meet in that, in that way. In terms of football, we highlights, we probably didn't, unfortunately didn't have any, we did have a very good side. Um, and on paper, we really underachieved, but a combination of a few things, injuries and, and, and people, I think going home really and visa issues, things like that meant that we, we very rarely got a full hundred percent team out there. You know, um, I think AMAC and both AMAC and Marek went through periods of injuries and, and things like that. And some of our better players definitely did. Um, so from a footballing point of view, we probably underachieved, but, um, but yeah, in terms of an experience and, and all, and all that, all that jazz, it was, um, yeah, it was, pretty much fantastic to be honest yeah did you get to experience the the coven of kind of the scottish cup out there yeah the, so there's the um can't remember what it's exactly called. i think it's called the ffa cup or uh, it's something like that but it is the equivalent yeah i mean i was there for one season i'm pretty sure that we we got knocked out fairly i think we got knocked out by one of the teams at a, a tier above us so we didn't necessarily get the all glamour tie of like a brisbane raw type game or anything like that unfortunately um but yeah we did play in that and i think made it to i don't know the second or third round of that is it something you would definitely kind of recommend to kind of younger players to possibly go out and play in for play in australia for a wee while or yeah definitely it's i mean it, similar to the states and similar to sort of canada um like 
I would I would highly recommend doing it. I mean, it depends. I mean, I, I obviously was never going to be a Premier League player, so I knew that I wasn't going to affect my chances of going and playing the Premier League by doing those type of things. Because I think if you want to go to the elite elite, then you possibly might not go that route initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly for, for for me anyway, it, it was it's it was something I'd highly recommend to any young young player or even not necessarily young. I mean, I went out to Australia when I was thirty ish give or take um so the opportunities are still there really just to go out and and the way i see it is you know get to live in a different country and experience a different way of life doing something that you like doing um and get paid a little bit for it you know so it's it's not the worst so i definitely recommend it yeah yeah um so you did a bit of coaching um out there as well with the younger teams How, how was that um yeah, that that was good fun. Um, so I, I, I had a little bit of experience, uh, like I mentioned, in, when I was in Cincinnati um, and coached there. And then also, obviously, when I went to Australia, did it um, did it there as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it it was like a, a good little, like I said, community really, because you you, you coach these um, guys and, and and girls and they'd come along to your games. So you sort of had that little bit of rapport with them. Um, you could chat to them about the game that you knew most of them, that most of them had come. So, you know, they'd, they'd chat to you about the game at the weekend that you'd played in and there'd be scenarios you could teach them um, why, why certain things happened, what they thought of the game. So you got that sort of little bit of a relationship with them as well, which was, which you, you probably wouldn't always get um, coaching. Um which I quite enjoyed and enjoyed obviously working with all the parents. They, they were very supportive um, and met, met some just great, great people as just via that route as well. Um, but in terms of coaching, I, I predominantly, I don't think I coached much older than under 11s. I think it was. Um, so probably the, the only, the only probably thing I wish I possibly could have done was teach maybe or coach probably a little bit of the older level, maybe a, like under 16, under 17, the more youth. And just because obviously it just becomes a different thing then that you coach. Um, when I was doing the under 10s, 11s, 8s, 9s, et cetera, that, that, that I did, it was it was very much the actual technique of passing from A to B, dribbling, that type of thing. Whereas uh, I'd quite enjoy the sort of challenge, I guess, of, of coaching an older team where sort of, the shape, the formation, the tactical side of things becomes a little bit more important. Whereas you know, kids I sort of taught, it was, you know, just making sure that they all had fun, enjoyed it, got game time, but also did did improve as best I could help them improve, I guess. And then, yeah, it was a case of staying out there another year um, or, or sort of calling it an end on the Australia thing and coming back, really. Um which in hindsight, again, I probably wish I'd have taken the second year and done more at the time. I'm not really sure why I convinced myself it wasn't a good idea, but anyway. It was maybe you were getting too too warm. It was too warm right there. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, I mean, even that that blew the Tennessee sort of conditions out of the water, really, in terms of heat, some of the some of the games there. So you came, you came back to the the UK. So how did the kind of the move to, to Bucky come about and, and was there any kind of or kind of opportunities that you could have maybe pursued or um I, I mean I, th- I think at that point I don't think I actively was trying um to look to play um I, I think 
long story short was I'd sort of come home, gone out to the States to just sort of bump around and come see a few of my mates out there. Um, and in one of the conversations out there, it sort of came up about sort of the use of data in football. Um, and so it sort of sparked something for me to look at if I could sort of go down that route. Um, and I think as soon as I came back from the States, I, I think the very day I sort of got a CV together and just started firing it around to pretty much every professional club in the UK, just at any email address I could get. Um, fired it around, chanced it. Um, and um, ultimately, yeah, got, got a call from Aberdeen Football Club back um, to say that they'd seen my sort of CV come in. Um, and that actually a mate of Andy McCaskill's who worked at, at the football club sort of seen my name, recognised it and wondered if it was the same guy. <laughs> um, and, and long story short, I'd sort of, he spoke to um, Greg Thompson, who was the one of the analysts, at, uh, well, the head analyst at Aberdeen at the time. And he'd sort of asked if I wanted to come up and do on a voluntary sort of type thing, uh, a sort of football manager type thing with data at Aberdeen. Um and work alongside Kev, who's Andy's mate. Um, and so when I sort of let Andy know that was happening, he sort of sort of suggested, because at the time then he'd, he'd re-signed them with Bucky, um, and just said, do you fancy joining him again? So I've sort of just followed AMAC about a bit, really. <laughs> so any club he signs for, you sign for? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the deal, I think. <laughs> so, so in terms of the scouting, can you, can you talk a bit, a more about that how how did you find that kind of football kind of manager-esque kind of yeah it was, uh, I mean, it was interesting um just to work on the inside of a football club really um you know having having played for so long but never really sort of been into the professional sense of it um yeah i mean it, it was quite a manual process i guess in in terms of what we were doing um i know some of the massive football clubs out there they have whole streams of getting their data in and, 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 and automating pipelines and all sorts to spit out results. But me and Kev really were sort of playing sort of technically football manager from any stats that we could get off um, Instat and um, there's another one I can't remember what it's called now. Anyway. What, uh, Y Scouts, where you can sort of get oh, yeah. counts of shots and all that sort of jazz per minute, per game. Um, and we were creating our own little Excel sort of spreadsheets, really, that sort of churned through those and spat out Aberdeen's numbers versus the rest of the SPL um, and then various other European leagues where we were looking. Um, obviously, places like your, your sort of Spains and things like that, it's tricky for Aberdeen to get players from those type of clubs, um, you know, money and also quality-wise, but certainly like the sort of Scandinavian leagues and sort of Belgium, Netherlands, things, places like that. We tended to get little dossiers together on players that were playing in leagues, but equally there was a, a report I think we used to get to anyone that made a debut under a certain age. We used to go and get all their profile information we could and, and essentially just generate reports on a sort of weekly or monthly basis to, to feed back to the the team at Aberdeen um, to see if there's anyone they fancied. Yeah, so was there any, do you recall any of the players that you were kind of involved in kind of collecting data that they took of interest to or? Uh, no, probably not though, to be honest. <laughs> um, there was a couple that we that we were specifically told, can we get more information on? Um, and then they had a bit of a look at them. Um, I think there was a bit of a scurry around when when 
when Aberdeen lost Scott McKenna as a oh, sort yeah. of left-sided left-sided centre half, there was a scurry really to try and find someone to to replace him, um, left-footed as well. Which is easier said than done. Um, but no, I can't really recall too many. I mean, there was a couple that we did pick out, but. Um, I think at one point we were looking at Victor Gaikores, I think he's called, but he's he's doing well at Coventry now. And I've, hmm. I think there was rumours he was being looked at by Prem clubs. I think he was a youth on the Brighton books at the time we were looking, but but yeah, nothing materialised. I don't, I don't think, to be honest. <laughs> a fan of Football Manager when you were were little, or or is that? Um, yeah, probably not. Not when I was a little. I think I sort of jumped on the bandwagon probably at university. Hmm. Um, just a lot of long road trips. You would you would chuck on Football Manager and uh, yeah, enjoyed it. To be honest, I think I've, I've I've picked it up. I've picked not the most recent or even the last two, but maybe three or four years ago. I think it was possibly around the lockdown. I think I thought I'd have another look at it, but it, it it's grown arms and legs in terms of what you can do on that game. Now it's it's so overwhelming. Um, but uh, yeah, I always enjoyed enjoy playing it when I was at Una. That was. Yeah, it was a good pastime. So, how how long were you kind of there at Aberdeen doing that kind of data, data stuff? I think I was there for I'd have got there um, probably around the September October time, and then I think I left in April. Um, about the same time I was really at, at Bucky when I returned returned there, because I think then in the April or May that's when I got my visa to go out to the to Canada, um, and went and joined up with um, a coach that. I'm, uh, Duncan Duncan Wild, who I played with in Toronto before, um, and he had a team that was sort of at the sort of cusp of cusp of sort of semi pro amateur type that he, he yeah. wanted me to go and join. Um, so I went out and played out there in the the May. Yeah. So did you ever consider kind of pursuing that sort of kind of role that you had with the Dons, at like a full time basis, kind of you know, as a full time job? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's certainly it's something that I always keep an eye on. Um, I mean, the, the the role I do now is is data. It's it's, it's like a data engineer role. Um, not not nothing to do with football at all. But the the, the fundamental skills that, that that are needed in that role could be transferable to those types of roles. The only problem for myself, and it's very difficult to get into. You can imagine it. It's sort of like the for anyone that likes maths and numbers and logic and that type of thing and data, but also likes football, mm. it's sort of like your golden golden job, really. Um, so it, it's very, very, very competitive to get into those type of roles. So I always keep keep, a, keep an eye out on things that might pop up. And I've got a couple more questions, and then I've got a couple of questions from two of your former teammates. So last yeah. few questions is, so who is the best player you've played with and who is the best player you've played against, would you say? In terms of with, um, I, I think that uh, uh, sort of Felipe Nogueira, the guy I sort of mentioned at the, the sort of front end of the call, really, um, the, the Brazilian, I, th- I think really he was, I think he was the best player I, I played with. There's, I mean, there's been a lot of really good good ones and, and a lot that come close, but he probably was the probably was the best I would say um yeah just his ability to he, he sort of played as a, a centre half as, as, as a back three but he he had an unbelievable ability to read a game but then he was so cool and calm on the ball as well and and, and could create things 
could take free kicks, penalties. I mean, he could do a lot, really. Um, yeah, I'd say he's probably up there as, as the best. Um, and then against, yeah, again, there's been a, there's been a there's been a couple of very good players. Um, you know, if you you sort of higher league time, probably you, I just remember how prolific and, and and good a forward Mitch Megson was when we played against Cove, um, who's obviously doing it. At, a, a much higher level now him and a combination of a few of the players that played in that team um, but probably the again the that midfielder I mentioned earlier in the call who's out was from Preston and ended up playing at um, Salt Lake City in the MLS he was uh, a bit like a box to box sort of skulls type midfielder mm. but I I, I, I played in the centre mid at the time and my role was to try and stop him playing and uh, I, I did that a few times in my careers against some good players, but I remember playing against him and trying to do that, but I definitely didn't come out on the winning side on that one. Um, yeah, he was very, very exceptionally good. Um, so, yeah, that's, they're probably two. So what what would you say in terms of your playing career has been your kind of highlight, would you say? I mean, to be honest, it's 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 possibly a bit more of a not – not specifically football type thing in terms of, but as 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 a whole, I think my highlight is just the the experience that I've got from playing. Um, you know, going having the ability and the opportunity to go and play in different locations, in different cultures, and, and meet people from like, literally across all points of the globe. I think, I think that to me, that's probably the biggest highlight. Really, it's it's give me that. Yeah, that that opportunity really to to meet and expand my horizon, so to speak, and, and as I said earlier, to do something that I like like doing, love doing. So it's probably yeah. The, unfortunately, I don't really have too many specific, parent like tantamount like um, highlights in that explicit sense, but probably just as a general thing, really, I would say. Yeah, because if you think you've been Australia, America, Canada. I mean, where have you not been? Where have you not played? Yeah. Well, I mean, everywhere. Else, I mean, it did. We we did also get a preseason in Brazil. Um, oh, yeah. So that, yeah, that that was that was good. That was part of the so that team that was the college team. As I said, they were like half Brazilian. So one uh, every four seasons, the college the coach took um took the team out. You basically raised a bit of money and you took the team out to Brazil, and so you dotted around and played against. Um, so yeah, I mean, there might have been. I might have played against someone there that when I was there because we did play a couple of teams that I don't I think I was playing a different sport um but I couldn't remember who they were um, but yeah yeah that that was an experience as well yeah we'll say it's Neymar and stuff that you hacked him or something yeah well, I'll, I'll I can I can claim that no one could prove <laughs> otherwise I guess yeah yeah no one <laughs> um so final few questions these are from former teammates um so I don't know the context um okay so first of all you've got Stuart coming so he says um why did you used to wear those brown boots at Taroff um, <laughs> said they were dreadful that's his words yeah they were I wouldn't I wouldn't say they were dreadful they were um, I don't know I, I quite like the uh they were those um you get them on pro direct soccer they're hmm. pantafaladora type boots oh yeah uh, I always just like them for their not not all, not necessarily the way they look because they're pretty basic looking. They are literally just one big bit of leather and the sole. Um, but they were really comfortable boots. I think I've had I've had a red, a white, a yellow, a brown. I think my brother my brother's got a pair of them now. They're they're all the black ones, so they're a bit more sensible. Stuart, Cummy would have probably liked those ones. But 
yeah, that that's where they came from. I, I just liked them. I thought at the time I bought them, Brown would be interesting. <laughs> but looking back, maybe Brown's not the right choice. The other question he had um, is, what did you used to drink before a match? What did I used to drink before a match? It means probably coffee, to be honest. Um, outside of your sort of boring, like just waters, it probably was a lot of coffee. Um, that's something that certainly I, I do enjoy, a nice, strong coffee. Um, and I think that's probably what we did. We came a bit of a, uh, a regime out in Australia with AMAC and Marek and that, going to pre-game coffee. Um, so, yeah, it was probably coffee, I, I think. I don't know if he was just... There are questions are from... Marek Mado, so he says, who was the better player, McCasco or um, Johnny Mavers? Which, wh- who's the better player? <laughs> I know, yeah, I know he's asking that. <laughs> uh, I mean, Johnny Mavers will tell you that he, he's like uh, Australia's Anster Baracy out there. Um, <laughs> but, and, he, and he'd always talk about a game he played, I think, when he first got over there. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think Marek's asking. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's on the wind up. But I mean, yeah, in terms of, I never played. The thing was, I didn't really play with my Johnny Mavers. He got injured before I got there, so I only ever knew him as sort of just like a mate. And as I said, mentioned uh, shared his apartment. Um, and obviously, I played with Amac. And I mean, yeah, in terms of the Highland League best players I played with, I mean, Amac certainly, certainly up there. Um, if not. Probably the best. I mean, you know, I, I get on with Amac off the pitch as well. I probably don't get on with him as much on the pitch, to be honest. But I don't think many do. <laughs> um, but in terms of a player, yeah, you, you, someone you like playing with, as you know, you you can lend the ball to. He'll give it your back, and you can actually play some nice stuff with when you've got Amac in the middle of midfield. And you know, I don't think there's there's any uh, reason there's any. Um, that's probably the reason why Bucky are, are doing. You know, as as well as they are even today, really is a co- well combination there with the players, but equally having Amac in the middle to sort of help orchestrate things. Another question from him. This is an hour wind up. Fucking <laughs> into some... yeah, it probably is a wind up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who is the hottest groundsman in um, Brisbane? The hottest groundsman in Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> That's but yeah basically, I was a groundskeeper when I was there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I looked after the. It was like a touch rugby slash football complex. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we, that's I I did it. Um, Marek did it a little bit as well. So I don't know if he's trying to get Marek as the answer from that, or <laughs> or or Rob Rob Watkins, who was the guy that that uh, helped run it all. Um, who was a great guy. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Rob to tell Marek it, it's Rob. He's probably the hottest groundskeeper in Brisbane. Yes, yeah, so you you must have some laughs with with those guys out there in terms of. Well, yeah, exactly. It's 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 as I said earlier, it's it's certainly one of the the ways that made that sort of move out to Australia so much better than you know it might have been the just that ability to to chat to people about stuff from at home um, and share sort of that yeah that that sort of knowledge of not just the Highland League but the UK and it also had a quite a good connection of. Um, Guys from the northeast of England, so Sunderland, Newcastle area as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the boys were from that area, so they again they were great, great chat as well. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Highly Podcast. Make sure to leave a review if you enjoy this podcast, and to keep up to date with the podcast, you subscribe on your chosen 
podcast platform. Hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview.